Futurecast. Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Leadership development told through the lens of Star Trek. Your host, Jeff Aiken, is a 20-year veteran of the public and private sectors in management and leadership. He specializes in helping people unlock their true potential and is a huge Star Trek fan. And now, here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. We often think of culture in a positive context, but believe me, not every culture is positive. In fact, in this episode, thanks to Captain Jonathan Archer, I'm going to examine how the dominant toxic culture in most societies impacts a leader's ability to take care of themselves and the negative impacts that that has on their team. Lots of fun stuff in the 25th episode of the first season of Enterprise. Two days and two nights. The ship is at Ryza, the planet that will become the destination for time off, good times, debauchery, and Jamaharon. Jamaharon! This boy wants Jamaharon! They've got time for two days and two nights of limited shore leave for the crew. They drew lots to see who got to go and who had to stay on board. And in a classic martyr tactic, Captain Archer participated in the drawing and then complains about being able to go to the planet. I shouldn't be going down to some pleasure planet. Dude, then don't play the game. You don't get to have it both ways, sir. Well, to Paul, the science officer and first officer, she agrees with me and maybe a little selfishly tells Archer, you need a vacation. Or to translate, get the f out of my hair and go relax. They load up a shuttle. Hoshi, the linguistics and communications officer, Trip, the engineer, uh, Malcolm Reed, the tactical officer, Travis Mayweather, the navigator, and Captain Archer all head down together. Archer brings his beagle, Porthos, too, which is super cool. I mean, what good is a vacation without your good boy? Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy, huh? Who's a good boy? Me. They're talking about their plans for their time off. Hoshi's going to learn some languages in the in the two days that they're there because that's uh that's how she rolls. While Reed and Trip are planning to uh well well Trip says it best. Malcolm and I plan to uh broaden our cultural horizons. And Travis Travis is going to go rock climbing. He ends up falling within a few hours of arriving there and ends up back on the Enterprise pretty quickly. To Paul has given Archer a little gift to help him pass the time. You know, a little light reading. That's uh, the teachings of Sirach. Mm, sounds exciting. So there's a whole story arc about how Dr. Phlox needs to hibernate for six days every year, but he's sure that he can get away with just 48 hours this time. They end up, though, waking him up early to help treat Travis, who fell when he was rock climbing, and it's a weird, I don't know, sort of like attempt at kind of comedy while he's trying to recover from his false start hibernation. There's a there's a couple sort of chuckle scenes, but I don't know. I feel like I pretty much captured it here. Trip and Reed head to a club. Now back in 02 when this came out, this was this was pretty funny stuff, but but now now it's pretty cringe and borderline offensive. But they're uh they're two guys that are, that are way out of their element. What about that one? Archer's diving into Sirach's teachings when another dog ends up on the balcony with Porthos. This brings a neighbor from the hotel to his room. I'm Jonathan. Kayla. They hit it off and agree to go out the next day. Hoshi impresses some locals with her ability to learn Ryzen. 
She meets a guy named Ravis, and they have dinner together. She's into him because she can't immediately nail his language. Even though she says that she speaks over 40, she still isn't able to quite quite get his down. <laughs> and I totally get it. This is uh, this is the name, just as an example, this is the name of the eavesdropper dude's planet. Yeah, looks like they're going to have a super fun night together. After an uncomfortably long time sitting at the bar, two women finally approach Trip and Reed. It's uh, it's honestly pretty hilarious just how bad at this they are. We're sort of new to the neighborhood. We are two wild and crazy guys. I mean, to be honest, it kind of hits really close to home. I I had no business interacting with women when I was in my twenties or my teens or my thirties. Yeah, let's just. Let's just say I can really feel where these two are coming from here. <laughs> but hey, looks like even the, uh, you know, cool kids can win sometimes. Have you seen the subterranean gardens? The ladies lead them down into a basement, and then they shapeshift into two creepy early Buffy the Vampire Slayer looking demons, knock them out, and rob them. Could sell their clothes. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe nice guys do finish last. Archer's going to try to get to know Kayla better. She's been the one asking all the questions about him, so he's going to ask about her, and he steps on a landmine. I did have a family. They were killed. It was our own fault. We'd been warned about the Suliban. Oops. Yikes. But, uh, but really, in his defense, how is he supposed to know? Now, you might remember the Suliban from the Enterprise episode Broken Bow. They have a large group called the Cabal that are connected to, to somebody in the future. That person gave them genetic enhancements, and as a result of their orders from this person, they are extremely brutal. Now, while we've only talked about them once so far on the podcast, the Enterprise crew, and Archer specifically, has run into them a few times. This vacation just took a turn for the captain. Now, they share a drink, and she starts asking more questions. This time, though, not about him. She's asking about the Suliban and what he knows about them. But where do they come from? Where do they live? What are they planning to do next? As the questioning continues, he starts getting more and more suspicious. He's able to get a bioscan on her and sends it up to the ship for analysis. Turns out, she's a Tendaran. Now, Tendarans will learn in a future episode of the podcast, past episode of Enterprise, they're at war with the Cabal. Uh, one kidnapped Archer a while ago and interrogated him really roughly. Now, there's some cool Easter eggs in that episode I'm excited to share when, when we get to it. Well, Archer, once he learns this, confronts her. Your surgeons did a nice job. She denies it, but then she uses her fingernail to inject him with something that knocks him out. When he comes to She's Gone?, and her hotel room is empty. They all get on the shuttle to return to the ship. Reed and Trip are pretty glum, but but they're making the most of it. I'm guessing you two had an interesting couple of days. Fascinating culture, sir. And Hoshi is looking like she had a really good time. They get back to the ship, and well, that's that's it. Brandon Braga, who along with Rick Berman created this series, summed up this episode in two words. Who cares? And I absolutely cannot disagree with him. The Starfleet Leadership Academy is supported by listeners just like you. Click the link in the show notes to support the ongoing production of this podcast. Shore leave. 
When you're on a ship, you look forward to it. And when you're watching Star Trek, you tend to watch with cautious optimism. You get some really good ones like TOS's Shore Leave and The Next Generation's Captain's Holiday. But then you get DS9's Let He Who Is Without Sin and, well, and, and this one. I, I imagine the pitch in the writer's room was like, hey, let's make Reed and Trip look like idiots. And then knowing that wouldn't eat up 45 minutes, they decided to give Hoshi a little romance, have a little fun with flocks. Oh, yeah, and, I don't know, briefly mention the ongoing storyline arc in this season. Hmm. Well, I, I think and I believe that if they were really, truly trying to be funny with Trip and Reed, they, they missed the mark. They make a lot of jokes rooted in toxic masculinity and cross into homophobia more than once. I don't think she's the right pronoun, but if you think it's worth the risk. Like all Star Trek, it's very much a product of its time, but even for 2002, this, this is pretty rough stuff. It was pretty fun watching Hoshi do her stuff. She's being all productive and studious and ends up with the most rising experience of them all. I always wonder how much the foreign languages that they speak on this show were just gibberish that the actors make up. And how much is actually written. Like, she said the same thing. She made the same sounds more than once, and the subtitles were the same. So I've got to believe that either they told her what to say, like they wrote it, or she's just really good, and she kept using the same sounds. I feel like the flock stuff, him waking up could, could have been fun, but it was, I don't know, pretty over the top and ridiculous. I mean, he was sleeping for like, I don't know, eight hours maybe. And if they'd explained that like his, uh, his hormones were adjusting or something like that, it might have made more sense. But instead, it's, it's like he just woke up after eight hours and is, I don't know, just being kind of weird. Incredible. What? I've been standing up for almost five minutes. I guess it was just a way to stretch time on the episode. I don't know. <laughs> a couple of the gags kind of kind of land, but but none of them really do. To Paul though, to Paul is great at the straight man to his chaos. I've got to you got to think that John Billingsley is thankful, <laughs> thankful for every dollar that he's ever earned for this episode. Still, everything that he's earned just 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 isn't quite enough for what he tried to put up with. The Tandaran thing felt forced, and it did absolutely nothing except add a tiny bit of, of meaningless tension. The Suluban Cabal stuff, is it's actually pretty interesting in this season. They do some cool stuff with it. But watching this out of order, this, this felt just totally shoehorned in. And like, aside from her knocking Archer out, it's never really confirmed that she is a Tandaran and that this was all a setup to get info from him. Ultimately, I'm going to give total credit to Michael Dorn, who plays Worf and directed this episode. He's the one that pulled this all together and made it as fun as it was. Without his masterful touch, this would be an almost unwatchable episode. Command codes verified. This episode wanted so badly to be funny. I think that it forgot that it's still Star Trek. Even with that, we have the opportunity to talk about two critical topics. I'm going to talk about the importance of taking time off, like really taking time off. And I'm going to pick up on a topic from the Starfleet Leadership Academy episode on Lower Deck's second contact when I address how Archer is driven by the dominant toxic culture. 
Cut the quartz, grass is fun. Come right now, go walk, run! Are you a leader? A Star Trek fan? Do you love the lessons and strategies taught on the Starfleet Leadership Academy podcast? Visit jeffakin.com forward slash store to get shirts, mugs, and other great merchandise to show off where you have learned all the great strategies and lessons that are taught on the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Visit jeffakin.com forward slash store or click on the link in the show notes to support the podcast and look good doing it. Parenting can be tough, but sharing stories, even the tough ones, are how we come together and strengthen our village. Connect with your team through these stories. Welcome to Our Village Stories. Parenting through passion and grit. To become a villager, hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. This episode of the Starfleet Leadership Academy is brought to you in part by Podcash. It's a collaboration between Racket and Stir. Podcash is free cash for your podcast. They recently gave away $100,000 to up-and-coming podcasters as a way to support creativity. If podcasting has been on your to-do list or you're already a podcaster, visit Podcash today. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-H dot com to stay up to date with future podcast happenings. I do carry a select line of unique artifacts and gemstones indigenous to this region. Work is hard. That's why they give us money to show up. We engage our minds, our bodies, our emotions, and even often our spirituality when we're working. And our whole selves, we're just, we're just not designed for that to go on all the time. An older study from 2016 by the World Health Organization, or WHO... Look, all I want to know is when you sign up the first baseman, how does he sign his name to the contract? The guy. Who? How does he sign his name? That's how he signs it. Who? Yes. Has some alarming statistics that demonstrate this. People that work for 55 or more hours a week have a 35% higher chance of having a stroke and a 17% higher chance of dying from heart disease than someone who works 40 hours or less. That's huge, and it's terrifying. Like, that money they're giving us to show up, we are literally killing ourselves for it, and that's not cool. Taking time away from work has a positive impact on those numbers, but here's the thing. You can't just take a day here, day there, maybe like a week. No, you need to take like at least two weeks off to really get the benefits of being away. It takes a few days to to slough off the daily stress from work before you can really begin relaxing and enjoying yourself. And then it takes a couple days to get back into a headspace where you're able to return to work. If you're just taking two or three days or even, even a week off, you don't have enough time for this to happen. You're, you're basically flocks getting woken up from hibernation too soon. Has it been 48 hours? No. Then why did you wake me? There's a medical emergency. Emergency? Then call the doctor. So even though some of the crew gets to enjoy a little time off in this episode, it's not enough to really make an impact on them. You know, other than some some fun stories to tell, or in Trip and Reed's case, to, to never tell anyone, ever. <laughs> 
And we see in this episode from Archer, something we see at least in the United States on a pretty regular basis, we see an active resistance to taking time off. Now, there are a lot of reasons for this, and they are all rooted in the toxic, dominant culture that pervades our society. We have this this feeling that if we aren't working, we're wasting time. We believe that progress always equals more, bigger, and that if we're not working, we're just wasting. Come on, time is money, money is power, power is pizza, pizza is knowledge, let's go. But that is objectively and patently not true at all. The gross domestic product, or GDP, is a global measure of, well, basically a country's economic strength, it's uh, its productivity. Now, there's different measures for GDP, like nominal and PPP, but it's important to note there are a lot of mitigating factors around these numbers. They're not strictly objective. So if it's a general overall measure of productivity, high-level logic would say that the more people work, the better the numbers are, right? Like, We, in the U.S., who take some of the lowest amounts of vacation in the world, in fact, in fact, the Center for Economic and Policy Research calls the U.S. the no-vacation nation. But if we take the least amount of vacation, we should have the highest GDP, right? Well, high level, yeah, yeah, that is right. As of 2021, the U.S. has the largest economy measured by nominal GDP, but by, by a healthy margin. But that's, that's not the end of the story. See, there's another measure of GDP that I think is more relevant here, and that's GDP per capita. So simply put, how much does each person contribute to the economy? Or put even more simply, how productive is each person? So again, being the no-vacation nation, this should be easy math, right? The U.S. must be dominating here too. Oh, but we're not. Ireland, Switzerland, and Norway all beat out the U.S. on this measure and by a sizable amount. But here's where that becomes even more jaw-dropping. In the U.S., United States, there are no laws, no regulations that require paid leave be offered to people. It's at the sole discretion of the employer. But in Norway, between federally mandated paid time off and paid holidays, workers there are entitled to 35 paid days off each year. Switzerland has 27 mandated paid days off, and Ireland has 30. So if working more makes us more productive, why are economies that mandate that people have more than a month off each year outperforming the U.S. on a per capita basis? The answer, the answer is both much more simple and a lot more complex than you think. You're a leader, right? I mean, that's why you're listening to this. And as a leader, one thing you know and that I think we can all agree on is that humans are the ultimate wild card. And I'm still the wild card, no, 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 so no. that's good. When it comes to people, like Dr. McCoy would say, logic be damned. But to put it simply, let's uh, let's think of people as cars. Cars have a tank of gas or battery, and those have a range on them. You have to refill the tank or recharge the battery before you can go any farther. So let's say you can travel 400 miles on a tank of gas. It doesn't matter too much if you drive all that at 25 miles per hour or 80. 400 miles, give or take, is the range. 
But imagine if you could still drive your car beyond the range of the gas tank, but instead of using gas or the charge in the battery, it started consuming the equipment in the car. It eats through the tires, the axles, the headlights, the seat belts, you know, just every everything else. At some point, that car is going to fall apart and maybe even be beyond repair. What a piece of junk. If only you'd pulled over at the gas station and filled the tank. Now that's us. We only have so far we can go, so much we can do before we need a fill up. When we hit empty though, we do keep going at the expense of our hearts, our brains, and everything else. So take the time to recharge and refresh, to fill your tank. You'll go a lot further, much faster if you do. Now, if you're refusing to take vacation because you think you're too important or the work you're doing needs your constant attention, <laughs> you're wrong, dead wrong, pun, pun intended. At the beginning of this episode, we get some good and we get some bad <laughs> from Archer on how to handle time off. The good. So like, first, you need to prepare for your time off. If you're leading a project or you're leading people, or if you have tasks that others are depending on you for, you need to let people know you're going to be away and what the status is for those things. Now, this doesn't mean you need to delegate or assign them off to someone else. In fact, in fact, this is, this is a really great opportunity to go back to the exercise we did in the episode on TNG's Elementary Dear Data, where I asked you to categorize the tasks you're responsible for as being either routine, urgent, or critical. If your task is routine, or maybe even urgent, just, just let it go. Give your up and downstream colleagues a heads up that you'll be out, and then just let them be. For the critical stuff, though, you do need to have a plan. And Archer, Archer actually sets that up really well here. If anything happens, you know where to reach me. And yeah, that makes sense. I mean, sometimes stuff does happen, and you need a plan. So, I have an executive assistant, for example, and they always know how to get a hold of me, but they also understand when they would need to get a hold of me. They're not going to reach out because like, I don't know, because like a PO that someone else can sign off on is sitting and waiting. They're going to reach out if there's a crisis. And, and here's the thing, in nearly a decade of working with an executive assistant, I've only had them reach out to me one time. Just like I talk about in TNG's Elementary Dear Data, you have to understand that with notable exceptions, okay, I'm gonna, I'll own that, but almost nothing is so critical that you need to get pulled away. Now, I know this next tip isn't one that everyone can use, but I'm going to share it anyway. Maybe there's something in this that you can use or might be useful to you in some way, even if this isn't the world you work in. Do you want to know why I dread returning to work from vacation? Now, this might sound familiar. <laughs> it's the thousands of emails sitting in my inbox just waiting for me. Do you have time for the delivery song? Well, if you'll sing it with me. I'll try. Here we go. Is there... Because here's the thing we all know. If I have, okay, let's say I have a thousand emails waiting for me. There's probably like 20 with info that's interesting to me that I need to have. And maybe, I don't know, maybe like eight that I actually need to take action on. But the thing is, I've got to sift through all thousand of those to get to the 28 or so that matter in any way. So here's the secret, the stealth vacation day. If I'm returning to work on a Monday, 
all actually work the Friday before. But here's the thing. No one knows that except for my supervisor. And that's just because they approve the time off, right? And my executive assistant. My calendar still shows me is out and my email autoresponder says I'm back on Monday, but I log in and then I follow this process to get through the literal mountain of correspondence. So step one, before leaving on vacation, I turn on a rule that takes all the, the routine daily or weekly stuff that's interesting in the moment, but not beyond that. And then that rule puts those emails directly into the trash. These are the emails that I look at when I receive them and then never again because I'll be getting another updated version the next day or, or soon after. Now, step two, I use a tool called cleanup or conversation cleanup. This deletes all the superfluous email in a conversation thread and leaves you with just the emails that have all the responses on them, including any branches on that thread. Now, already with these two steps, I've gone from a thousand emails to like 300. Then step three. Okay, now we get into it. Step three, I sort by sender. Generally, I know who's sending me emails and what level of urgency that person's going to have for me on the emails they're sending. So after sorting, the first thing I do is I look for any odd senders, people that may have reached out that don't normally, who might need something that, that, that I didn't anticipate. Then I go through the people that tend to send higher priority emails and I work through those. Now, <laughs> now I'm down to like 50 emails and I'm three or four hours into the day. Now I can sift through those 50 and get to the 28 that really matter and start working through those by the end of the day. Then I get the weekend to finish getting in the right headspace for work. And when I show up on Monday morning, I'm mostly caught up and I can immediately start adding value. Hopefully, this is something you can either replicate and do, or you can at least leverage some pieces of this to, to help you on your own return to work. Now, that's the good stuff that Archer offers us, but he quickly descends to the bad. So he starts off by mansplaining the importance of his job to T'Pol. I don't anticipate any problems. Well, it's the problems you don't anticipate. And treats her like she has no idea how to do her job, let alone help cover for him. And then he plays the martyr, like he's so important to the ship that he can't be gone for two days. Can't be gone, can't be gone with his communicator and just a shuttle right away. Like, how is this any different than any away mission he's on? And on those, a lot of times he even takes to Paul with him. But, but here, here's the thing. I believe it's the difference in his mind between working and taking time off that makes him act this way. If he's on an away mission, he's he's working, right? So everything is okay, and he's contributing. I'm a Star Wars! But if he's relaxing and reading a book, it feels like he isn't. So he exercises one of the aspects of the toxic, dominant culture we all experience. He believes that he is the only person, the only one, that could possibly do his job. And he's simply wrong. Stuff Stuff goes wrong in this episode, on the ship, while he's away. Mayweather has a medical emergency, and T'Pol handles it. In fact, in fact, Archer never even hears about what happened. There was no reason at all for him to be on the ship. T'Pol and the whole team had everything taken care of and handled. Now, don't hear, don't hear from this that he and his role are unimportant. The captain is a key part of the operation of the ship, just, just like you're a key member and a key part of your organization. 
but we're part of a team and teams help each other out. And the entire team, here's the other thing too, the other team benefits when we take the time to fill our tanks. Captain, you need a vacation. Just recently, I took a month away from my work, a whole month off. Now, some of it, yeah, some of it was refilling my tank, but it was mostly to take care of my family. My my dad, my dad passed away earlier this year and, uh, and I needed time to grieve. I also had to help take care of all the work that comes with that. So, so I took a month. I took a month away from work. Now, was I buried? Was I absolutely buried in emails when I came back? Absolutely. Did I miss some things that I wish I was there for? Yeah. Did my team wish I was around to help on some tasks, some decisions they needed to make? Of course. But, but, but it was all fine. Everything was okay. They know their jobs super well. And they know what I've had going on because we communicate regularly. But here's the thing. When I got back, my tank, my tank was full. I was ready to support the people I work with and add value in my work. I was able to progress projects that had been idling because I'd refreshed my perspective on them. And also, my team is so much more prepared for handling these tasks too. Me taking time away turns out to be an invaluable part of their development. So while logic might say that I was unproductive during that time, the reality is the entire team developed and is better for the time I took away. So do not, do not succumb to the toxic dominant culture. Take care of you so that others will know they can take care of themselves. Changing this culture is a huge undertaking. It's massive, but literally it starts with you. You have to be the change you want to see. Be the change you want to see in the world. To borrow a line that we attribute to Gandhi, when you change your behavior as a leader, others will begin to change theirs. And that, that is how we dismantle this toxic culture. And when you're on vacation and taking time to fill up your tank or recharge your battery, you want to look good and feel good doing it, right? Well, now you can. Check out the Starfleet Leadership Academy store by visiting starfleetleadership.academy forward slash store or by clicking the link in the show notes. <laughs> How's that for an off-the-cuff ad read? Seriously, though, I've got some cool designs up there and you can get them on all kinds of things. Make an order, share a picture on social media, tag me, and I'll amplify you across my channels. I'm on Twitter at SFLA Podcast and on Instagram and LinkedIn at Jeff T. Aiken. That's Jeff T. as in Teachings of Sirach, A-K-I-N. Computer, what are we going to watch next time? Working. Oh, we're going right back to the sixth season of The Next Generation. It's 23rd episode, Rightful Air. Oh, man, we're going to get some origins on Kalis in this one. Kalis. I remember this as a really good Worf and Klingon story that has some real repercussions through Star Trek. And again, only only if I'm remembering right. But, but I think this shares some themes with the Broadway musical The Book of Mormon. So I'll be dusting off that soundtrack for sure. Until then, ex astra scientia. Thank you.
Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid.